Hello everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to throw out there that I know that there was some big news that was released this week about a European tour for 2020. Just to let you know, this episode was recorded before Thanksgiving, so unfortunately we have not mentioned anything about the tour in this episode, but I wanted to throw it off right from the top. If you do want to hear our analysis of the new tour and all the new dates, we have a reactionary episode that's available on all free products podcast platform so if that's something you're interested in head on over there then head on back over here and we'll all just listen to episodes together huzzah so you guys from around here you looked kind of familiar that's why i asked we're gonna kind of fuck around with some things tonight you know I mean, if you can't do it here, we're going to do it, you know, so. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the jump. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. Randy Sobel here, John Farrar over there. Welcome back to the show. It's been a couple weeks. Thanks, Randy. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. good. Yeah, getting it's glad to be back. Getting to a, a vault show of uh, a vault that may or may not be in people's hands by now. <laughs> we don't quite know at this point. So Let's uh, hope so. I, I can't wait to put this one on the, uh, the turntable and uh, give it a listen. How uh, how excited were you when when uh, they made the release? This kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. That hey, here's Vault Nine. It's a it's a show from Seattle, nineteen ninety three. Was this what you expected out of uh, out of the next Vault One? You know, it's you you're always hoping for for something cool and unique. And this was, and you know, if if they decided if they announced tomorrow that hey, we're releasing all of the ninety shows on vinyl Vault series. I mean, I'd, I'd take out a second mortgage and, and buy them all, but this is kind of cool. Like, these shows, you, they're not really considered among the greats. Like, you've got you've got Atlanta 94 on this era. You've got, you know, the Slim's Cafe show, which people will talk about in the debuts. You've got Vegas, which they've already done, 93, the uh, Green River reunion shows. But, you know, these shows, this was kind of their triumphant return to Seattle after, like, after a great year, like... 1993 was arguably the biggest year in the history of this band where they kind of broke through and became the the biggest band in the world with the release of Versus and the touring. And, you know, we haven't had a Seattle vault show yet. You know, we had Bellingham 
uh, right. the Mount Baker Theater show, which is great in its own. But to get something like this, and, and you know, this is considered the the best of the three nights that they did. So uh, yeah, I was ex- definitely excited. Like pre-ordered it on the first day. Like I'm I'm all in. Is there anything that was on like your wish list specifically, either an era or just a certain show that you were like you definitely think that they should have released it? I don't think so. You know, I'm I'm always partial to to no code. I'd I'd love to get some '96 uh, shows on there. Even those those '97 shows that they did opening up for the Rolling Stones, like you could probably fit that on on one record. It would be really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, you you can't be picky with these things. You know, they've got so much. I I trust them to to know what's good and uh, and to find those gems in the vault. And and obviously, a lot of it depends on the recording too. Like how the recording turned out they they want to put out good quality stuff so we'll see how it uh we'll see how it turns out hopefully we'll we'll have it in our hands uh at the time of this recording or at the time of the, the uh, release of the episode yeah hopefully uh i mean they put it at, put it out in the newsletter that it would be coming soon so uh hopefully we get it i i have not pre-ordered it um <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was going to ask. I ask every it. time. Yeah, I uh, know you've been egging me on to do it. I have not done it. Uh, oh, only because it's just the shipping is just freaking ridiculous. And I yeah, told it's a, it's a heavy it. package. You know that you're going to get like a. It's going to have the solid like hardcover on it. You know you're going to get. It's going to have a nice booklet, and you know it's, they they do a great job with the packaging. I bought I bought one when they went on sale uh around record store day and i told myself that that would be my one for the year and now here i sit after a wedding with a little bit of you know leniency with my uh with my bank account and i don't know i i'm it's on my christmas list if any if anybody wants to get it for me and my family <laughs> which I highly doubt they're going to look at it and be like, what's a vault? What's the vault? What is this? Uh, So we'll see what comes of that. But let's get into business stuff uh, before we get into the show. Patreon has new stuff coming all the time. And uh, coming in the next few days or so, I would say, is a new Evolution episode. And we released last week, as a little treat to you guys, the best of Evolution that we were doing for Patreon. And it took, you know, versions of Corduroy and State of Love and Trust and and Alive and Leash that we've done for for the patrons and kind of gave you a little bit of a taste of what we've been doing on the on the patreon for the exclusive members so we're gonna have another exclusive episode coming very soon it's gonna feature wash if that's something that you're interested in head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs and you get to contribute and not only that but we give a lot back to you the fan don't we absolutely and uh, you know only one dollar a month you can become a bonus leg I think is the title that we give those people. Sure, so, why not? And you get you know you get access to to bonus episodes. You know we 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 put out we made a, a 15, 16 minute long video for those people, kind of explaining uh, what we were going to be doing in the next year. They got a little sneak preview, and you know there's only going to be more and more coming. You know you get to you get to pick an episode to cover. You get to come on the show. Um, I may or may not threaten to fight you, depending on your opinions. Um, That's the fun part. We'll see if that continues in 2020. That's going to be my New Year's resolution is maybe not to actually threaten to fight people. But we'll, we'll see yeah, how it goes. I can't promise anything. You're going to be we'll sitting there like somebody. 
Yeah, you're going to be sitting there like somebody who just quit smoking, like begging for a <laughs> cigarette. Like, I, 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 I. somebody's like, hey, you know what? I really, in my tree is just kind of taking a leave for me. And you're going to maybe gonna I'll flip your Maybe leg. I'll work it down to like arm wrestling. I'll threaten to arm wrestle people <laughs> or something. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we get it to, to a level that's a little less threatening. Right. And right. Uh, we, I we, think we'll be okay. The official stance of Live on Four Legs is that we do not condone violence. But we do appreciate it hey, in in certain in certain forms. And thanks to all the people that have uh, that have been donating. We had had a few new ones last month, and uh, we're we're so grateful. And the reason we we just made everything for a dollar is we we want people to to get access to these things that we're doing. We want you to be able to go in there and get those exclusive episodes and help support the show and get all that bonus content because we, we're really proud of it and we really think it uh, it holds up and it adds a lot to the to the podcast experience, as they say. Yep. And the more people that do it, the more onus that puts on us to like the more we want to do for you you know if, exactly if we tomorrow if 100 people decide to to join patreon for one dollar each that puts on us like whoa we got it we got to end up doing a lot more so mm-hmm. the more people join in the more we're gonna feel uh responsible to to provide more content so it it it's a mutually beneficial relationship as they say it all helps you in the end and don't feel like if you're not a patron, you're less of a listener, less involved with Live on Four Legs, because that's not the case at all. So, all right, uh, let's hop into the uh, the actual show that we're doing here. Any other points that we didn't make from earlier that you want to bring to the table? Um, I don't think so. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, uh, this show really featured a, a certain member of the band. Like, we talked about their mic shows their Cameron shows, their their Stone shows. This show is an Ed show. Like he is, he is on fire. See, I on, thought this show this was really it's... good for Mike, and maybe that's coming off of, uh, you know, doing Indio a month ago, mm-hmm. and Indio was not a Mike show. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, maybe he had, you know, maybe some not so good shows really early on. I think the first set was really, really good for Mike. Um, and you know what? I also didn't think a lot of these early shows, I listened to Dave A and I think like, wow, every, every early show is a Dave A show. I, I really, Dave A was just kind of there in this one. I didn't think anything really too spectacular of his performance. Yeah. You, you, you know, didn't, get a, you didn't get a WMA. You didn't get anything that's like, that's really going to highlight his style. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought Ed had a great show in this and, and we we talked about too. This is only less than two months after Versus is released, and you know that kind of catapulted them into superstardom. And uh, this was kind of the the triumphant homecoming, as uh, to quote the PJ Twenty book about this. There's not a lot of information, but no, this was the the second of three nights. Uh, it is considered the best set list. I think it's the longest show of those three. Just the fact that they were already moving into Vitalogy songs and, you know, looking forward to see, like, you know, what's next. They weren't being complacent. You know, they they could have toured toured Versus for two years. You know, I think the, what was it, U2's album, Octune Baby, came out in 91, and they probably toured that for two years, right? But Pearl Jam isn't like that. They they decided to, you know, and I go back to the the Rockline radio program that they were on the night that Versus was released. Uh, there was a fan that that called up and asked, you know, oh, you know, are you, you going to be making any videos for for verses? You know, like what's what's the plan? And 
Eddie got on and kind of dismissed it and was like, you know, our our focus is on music right now, and and I think that's that's probably a good thing for everyone. And you know, they were they were already they knew what they had and they wanted to capitalize and, and make as much music as possible during this time. I think it and we and we reap the benefits of it still. Absolutely. Let's jump in. Uh release opens up the show. Uh from the early onset now we're listening to this as a bootleg and not on the vault uh vinyl recording press. What we're doing here is sort of what you can expect with set list and instead of what can you expect with the sound so the boot that you were able to get here is actually pretty good i think the crowd is a little bit loud in it so i'm expecting the vault to at least have a little bit more of a died down crowd uh but probably you can probably expect a better mix you know you the the bass the guitars will be a little better you know, and then the mix and everything. And it, and it being a hometown show, they had access to all of their equipment that they of probably course. bought with all the proceeds from Versus. Right. Uh, that probably helped. Uh, and you know, I don't. I don't think this. I think this is an audience recording, not a soundboard. So I'm sure they have a have a master soundboard copy that that they went for. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should sound great. Yeah, absolutely. Starts out here with release, and you know, it look. I think early versions of release have a tendency to bring a little bit of intensity to it. And this one, it felt more, and I'm going to say this a little bit for the first set, it felt more mature. It felt like they were kind of digging into their souls a little bit for some of these songs and they weren't going too wild and too crazy and and it wasn't the ideal 1993 style. It was more of a mature sound for them. It sounded really polished. think too like we're we're in a different era now they're the the 10 songs are an album behind now they've kind of moved on we, they've got more songs under their belt now and this being the end of 1993 you can almost lump it in with those with those early 1994 shows it almost fits in better with those because they had already you know that we are we get a couple of vitality songs here like we talked about once you have new songs your old songs kind of like they become old songs. They're not the current songs anymore. They and that's that's new for them, right? They hadn't had that experience before, where those ten songs are becoming part of the history, not the current ones. And they they're putting more emphasis on the current ones because those are fresher. You know, that's just 
that's just human nature when you're in a band you know that's what you do you always want to want to push the, the current thing or what's next you know but that's also with the 10 songs that they know them by heart and they can do exactly. little things and experiment a little bit obviously you know no jeremy is a major experiment that they that they tried but there are little things in the 10 songs that they would do live you know and we'll talk about it with deep that there are things that they do with deep that are different there are things yeah. that they're they do with even flow that are different so they're constantly that, trying and that to leads to the that leads that leads to the maturity that you're talking about like that gives them the confidence like yeah we've we've played those a hundred times already it gives them a chance to go back and and maybe mess with it and, and gives them a little more confidence when they're playing it yeah, I agree. Ed says, take care of each other, gives a little wail, and, and we're into Evenflow with the second song. Always refreshing to get Evenflow as song number two, and you can kind of, you feel, it's a, it's a different vibe than the first night of the show that started off Go Animal. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously Seattle shows and, uh, and doing three in a row, you're going to want three completely different sets, but this is uh, this is a good little kickoff, I suppose. Oh yeah, you know, love releasing even flow, and this you know you like to talk about corduroy being the song that that makes you feel like you're at a Pearl Jam show. Even flow was that before corduroy existed. I would, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So this is a, this is a great way to you know we we've ta- and we've talked about the release opening before. Like it's it's kind of its own thing, and then to go right from releasing even flow, you know, for, to, for the people there, it must have been you know just crazy. Like you've got the crowd you know, at a at a fever pitch instantly. Yeah, and, you know, for 1993, I said before that, like, it has, it, it's more mature, but it doesn't have, and it, and it has screaming, and it has intensity, and it has passion. I'm not saying it doesn't have a lot of those things, but it, it, it feels really honed in. It doesn't feel like it's too wild. And maybe, again, relating it to Indio a little bit is not the best idea, but it's more performance like they're really into the performance in this and it's not sloppy at all especially in this first set and you listen to the final chorus of even flow and man that that just sounds incredible you know we we say it all the time with shows from this era like they were firing on all cylinders they they were they knew what each other were doing they were they could run through this in with no problems at all that gets us into some verses uh after starting off with a couple of 10 songs uh dissident go animal sick of pussies is tagged after dissident and I had a conversation with, with uh, Mr. Bagel today, as we casually will call him Bagel from time to time. Sometimes he's Bogle, sometimes he's Bagel, sometimes he's just Patrick. I had a conversation with him about this because I was asking him other questions about this show. And so the Sick of, Puss- Sick of Pussies has the line, my body's nobody's body but mine. My body's nobody's body but mine. You run your own body, let me run mine. 
There's nobody's body but mine. You run your own body. Let me run mine. It, it was uncovered recently that that's from like a children's performer that wrote the song. His name is uh, Peter Alsop. Have you ever heard of him before? I have not. Like a Rick Charette kind of, you know, Raffy, mm-hmm. one of those kind of guys. And uh, I was directed to a YouTube performance where he's playing in front of, you know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of kids in a crowd. And he that's exactly what he's singing. He's singing the same thing. My body's nobody's body. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been something that he was exposed to, you know, growing up, and it just kind of stuck with him. And uh, you know, back in the the seventies, you know, probably when this guy was around. Uh, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. The whole premise of the song, and it's actually it's it's a good premise because it's kind of it's saying uh, children won't speak up when they're being abused. So this song is sort of teaching them to say no when they're being touched by adults. Like when an adult is trying to hug or kiss them, you know, you're allowed to say no if you don't like it. That's uh, very timely for the versus era. Figured I'd just bring it up because it's a nice little coincidence there. But um, Go and Animal Combination did some uh, quick research on it. Do you have a guess how many times that these songs have been played back to back like since then like in the whole entire catalog the, since yeah the whole entire catalog since the debuts of oh Go it's, it's got to be over 100 mm-hmm. it is not over 100 well okay 80 i'll say it's over 80 it's it's 70 okay so yeah it's it's, it's yeah close this to was there, i mean they they flow so well together like i'm not surprised I'm, I'm actually surprised it's not more like i said like i would have expected more but yeah, they they they're like peanut butter and jelly. They go great together. Right. Even in '93, you have this happened 31 times. So that's a huge percent of it. Oh, it's more than more than half of the shows that year. Yeah. Right. So it has that fire, that tightness. Both of them are just. It's a really good combo. Obviously, it kicks off an album, so you're never going to complain uh, about a side A early in a show. But man, like that's. The combo is kind of what makes uh, shows of this era so uh, special. Sometimes that that they will pull it out. So and and going back a little bit too, they, you know, we we mentioned the little sick of pussies improv. They would only do it four more times before before dropping it completely. So this was kind of the end of that. You know, by by ninety four ninety five, it was gone. Right. Yeah. There are a lot of things from this era that kind of. It stuck around in 93, but you wouldn't see it in 94. Things would would be around in 94. You wouldn't see it in 95, and then, you know, onward and so on. And then, you know, uh, probably around 2003, if things happened and, and were trends, they kind of stuck around as much as they could or at least reared their head back in. So, you know, in, interesting, interesting time because they're definitely evolving and growing and changing as a band at this time. So uh, after the three verses, it seems like we're going 210. Three verses, three ten. So we're uh, to the Jeremy Deep and Why Go combo. Um, really, uh, look, this is this is a great section. I think that um, 
Jeremy, what do you think when they do Jeremy and they kind of leave off the first chorus? I, I like, and that's what I'm saying with songs from 10, that they can kind of experiment a little bit and change up the vibe sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, they can. You kind of get that that lull where like, oh, it stops, and then we're back. So yeah, I think you know it's it's so cool that they were already you know messing around with stuff like that, and and Jeremy especially since it was a huge song, you know that that probably encouraged them to to try and fuck with it a little more. Deep is another one that I think we mentioned in the Indio show that uh, you get the shaking of the mic in the last uh little verse mm-hmm. there oh, yeah. and then it's, it's it gets yeah and then you get that kind of descent into madness with dave a just having his insane moment on the drums there it's always a really amazing amazing touch for early versions of the song but i love there's a seamless transition in between deep and why go that just sounds beautiful <laughs> for me like the the vocals at the beginning of why go and i go back to this being an ed centric show like he's he's on the ball on on this the, the beginning of why go is it's more what's more he saying madness um i couldn't i have to go back and, and really slow it down listen, something but, like don't insult me don't talk to me right, yeah don't insult something like that i i couldn't tell but yeah just but. the the madness of deep continues into why go and it's really awesome i loved it man Okay, Daughter starts off, and you hear the hi-hat hits, and it's the intro, it's the album intro, and then they just kind of stop. Immediately made me realize that you don't get that intro on the live performance of it ever. I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't they do that more often? And it's like we talked about a couple weeks ago with uh, with Go, how they had the, uh, in MSG, they, they went and they did kind of the jammy intro thing. Why not bring some of those album techniques back? 
Yeah, I think there a lot of them are just lost. Like I, they've kind of fallen into the routines with some of these songs over the years, and you just you're just not going to get it anymore. I mean, yeah, and of course I say that, and of course you know the next year they're going to break out all the stuff because they, you know, they brought back the original immortality lyrics. So who, what do I know? Um, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, daughter gets a huge crowd response. You know, you can tell people recognize it. Uh, I think that was the song that was kind of starting to get on the radio a little bit, so so people yeah. were familiar with it. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I think it's already been released as a single at this time, so mm-hmm. right in the middle of the set that you're playing, you know, your your top song from this album, and yeah, you're gonna, it's gonna get your, your best response. Um, tags on this, uh, now, I, I was talking with a couple of people, I was talking with Bagel, I was talking with Dave Jantosh of Live Footsteps about what this first part of these of this tag is and he's going kind of going back and forth he's saying do do you feel lucky uh i i think you're lucky or some something like that and i don't really know if it's a cover don't really know if it's an improv it's something that they've never done again but i'm gonna probably chalk it up to it's probably an it is i mean I, i did a little bit of research as well and i couldn't find anything any song that this was based on the best that we can think of is paraphrasing Clint Eastwood. Sure. And, it, so, and it could, it could and, have been something as simple as they, you know, they watched Dirty Harry in a couple of weeks before or something. It was just in his head. It could have been something that's right. something that simple. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a cool little thing, you know. It's a, it's a it's a one time one time only. Right, and the only reason why I even looked it up was because the crowd responded to it. The, the crowd actually reacted to it, so I'm like, oh, do they know so- something about this that we don't know? So, as far as we can tell, it's nothing. If uh, if you know different, if it's like maybe some local Seattle band at the time had this song, then uh, then let us know. It, it's, it's not impossible to find these things out, but you know, a couple of pretty valued sources said that uh, they, they don't think it's much of anything, so you get that and you get WMA and WMA kind of has that like groovy little jam at the end of it too, which is, which is cool. I kind of like that where they don't really realize that they're doing the chorus, but they're still doing it. Did you, did you recognize that? Yeah. I mean, then the, that was pretty common for this time, you know, depending on how they, how far they would take it. And this was, you know, being, being a homecoming show, they were probably willing to, like he'll he'll say in a little while here, willing to fuck around a little bit and and extend it a little bit. So yeah, I thought it was great. Right, Eddie. Thanks, Joey Ramon, for letting him use his mic stand. That thing should be in a museum. God damn it! Uh, but that gets us into glorified G. Uh, what do you think of the backups on this? Yeah, they, that, they sound really good, right? That's it's the best part of the song. I mean, it's the the first two minutes of the song I, I can take it or leave it but it when it kicks into that that middle part it really starts to become you know something special so yeah i thought uh thought this it was great this one was different it had i don't i don't know to call it like a, a motown-ish or just like a, a 60s pop kind of vibe to it Feels a little bit more specialized than just Stone kind of just going like it's, 
You know, it's, Wait, what was that again? Nah, you only get one. <laughs> <laughs> of a pelican. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Glorified G is probably in my bottom ten Pearl Jam songs, so I, wow. I, I don't... I don't love it. It's just kind of a. Uh, it's, it's just not. It's not for me. This is not for you. Yep. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I like Glorified G. Still chasing it. So you know, is is a different differing opinion. Uh, all right. Here's uh here's something that probably they decided was a major factor in releasing this as a vault. Uh. It's Ed. Ed is, uh, you know, kind of bantering with the crowd a little bit and said this is where they said that they're going to fuck around with things tonight. And if you can't do it in Seattle, where are you going to do it? So he he addresses the pit intensity and says we're going to play you a three-song mini opera about incest, murder, and all the stuff you read about when you eat your breakfast. And obviously that is the Mama-san. So... We've covered the Mamasan before, and we've covered the reverse Mamasan before, and you know it's both been very recent, so it's kind of fresh in our heads. So when I'm thinking, oh, really, we're doing the Mamasan again? Like it sort of didn't dawn on me how actually rare this is. It's only been done four times, but because we've done both incarnations of it uh it it sort of felt like uh it's happened a little bit more so uh just like we did with the philly show we're gonna give you a little bit of a mini rock opera here starting with uh the end the ending of alive because uh you'll hear eddie saying in the is there something wrong she said uh uh that's that is a fun little part so we'll start with that and then we'll give you all three and we'll talk about it there's something wrong she said Of course there is a fucking bitch You're standing alive she said What would you have to do to me? Is that the question? And if so, if so Is that, who is
So with the trilogy here, obviously this was the last time that they played the trilogy in its, you know, in in its form. What's your overall take? Just kind of them doing and, and uh, you know, throwing back to sort of a, a classic moment of theirs. Yeah, I think they were, and that's something you can do when you're playing, you know, three shows back to back to back. Because I'm sure that that was a factor in it. If they had only been played one or two shows, they might not have, might not have broken it out. But it's it's kind of a nod to their history, I think, in the in the city, and you know, footsteps being, you know, originally times of trouble you know temple of the dog kind of a a nod to that as well but yeah i thought it was it was really cool for them to do it especially you know it it fits perfectly late in the first set um and i thought yeah it's just really cool i mean uh, to to have been there to have him explain it like that i'm sure a lot of people in the crowd knew um but still yeah i thought it was really special and you know yeah you get a little bit of the the misogyny and alive uh which you would definitely not get in 2018 2019 um but uh yeah, I thought uh, the highlight for me was definitely footsteps, man. Like an, an all electric version. Like thought no it, harmonica. Thought it was thought it was fantastic. It, it's it's raw sounding, but it's only raw sounding because you know what the ultimate version sounds like. Yeah, so they, they kind of rocked it out a little bit. It's so different than the normal version of footsteps you hear. When we were doing Zurich, I was begging for that harmonica to come in, and I was waiting for it. And this time, I was able to appreciate it a little bit more for what it was and kind of appreciate the tone of it. So uh, everything sounds really good. I think Once was just a little bit uh, a little bit off the mark. It sounded like Stone might have lost his guitar somewhere in the middle, but um, really no big deal. Uh, it's the Mamasan, so what is there to complain about? You know, yeah, and you're it's, never getting it again. And it's you know this is kind of their Christmas time of year as well. We're getting into the holiday season, so he does. Oh, that's why he mentions their, Nutcracker. Uh, their Nutcracker Suite, right? But then he goes on this little rant, and this you know, again, something else that you won't get in 2019. Bunch of fucking stupid white male fucking American fuckers, fucking. And you think that life sucks? You guys think that life sucks? You guys, you got it all in the palm of your hand. You better just get off your ass and do something about it. This is his one moment of the night where he's really, he's pulling out asshole 1993 Eddie. Uh, And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's in fun. It's not like Indio where he's really getting pissed off at people. This is a little bit, you know, more happy go lucky. Mm -hmm. This is probably, I would say that that part is probably getting left off, off the vault. If I'm not, you know, yeah, we'll see if I'm a gambling man, but yeah, exactly. So that, that gets us in the fast porch. It's fast porch. The, this is super fast porch. This is a whole other level of, of fast porch. When it kicks in, like 
they they go for it in that in that middle part. It gets super fast. You got a voodoo child riff in there. Ed is kind of uh, kind of doing a number on on the bridge there too. You you get this little part where Ed is just going. Something set him off during that little spiel uh, with the Nutcracker thing, and now he's like really kind of found his uh, his insanity in the show, so to speak. Oh yeah, he's he was definitely known for being a little unhinged during these shows, and you can you can understand it too. I mean, you get caught up in the music and the the aggressive songs they're playing, you know, the way they're playing it. I, and I can't fault him for for getting caught up in the moment and things like that. But yeah, I thought you know. And it's the porches like rearview mirror. It's one of those things where there's there's almost not a bad version. I mean, you, we can we can nitpick about the the intros, but once it kicks in, there there's nothing better. Encore break. We are. They said we're going to play a couple of songs that we just made up, some new ones, but don't tell anybody. And that starts us off with the second performance of Last Exit. November, uh, New Orleans, I believe, mm-hmm. and it sounds pretty tight for being pretty fresh like this. Uh, I always equate the drums to having a very Jack Irons style, um, but you know, obviously Dave wrote the song, but Jack Irons really perfected it in his time with the band. Uh, but the, the drums are are fantastic in this, and it it just going back to the lyrics a little bit, it, it just. It, they feel unchanged. The song maybe had a little bit of tweaking to it, but overall, not too much. It, it kind of how they wrote it is 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 what ended up being on the album. Yeah, I mean, and that that goes to show like what kind of what kind of a role they were on at this point that they could just break out something like that, and they felt so comfortable with it. They felt like it was good enough. Just hey, let's it, it is what it is. Let's just let's let's roll with it and record it like that. And you know, last exit is one that, it, God, it's it's almost 
I want to say it's underrated. You you know you think of Vitology, you think of Corduroy and Immortality. It's an underrated opener, man, that's absolutely. for sure. But I mean, Last Exit is probably if I had to, if you you know had to had to write it down, it's probably in my top ten or top fifteen songs. Like it's. God, it would have been how awesome would it have been to have seen like the first or second performance where it was already like so aggressive and like yeah when that when those drums start these people these people had no idea what they what they were in for when those drums started but uh, yeah loved the song and uh, thought it was awesome yeah you know last exit is one of those songs it's one of the very few that even to this day you can sense like a raw garage rock vibe to it. And back then, obviously, you know, you're going to get raw vibes to a lot of these songs, but this is like the ultimate raw sounding song to me. Yeah. I mean, you did this for, uh, for the better band podcast, right? That should be coming I out. Did. Soon. If not, uh, no, it's already, yeah. It's, it'll, yeah, it's already out. Yeah. So go check that out. If you want to hear, uh, Randy's dissertation on last exit. Yeah, that was actually kind of fun. That was my favorite of uh, the three that we've done so far. But, nice. um, you know, the, the the ending here, you know, with all the raw stuff, it uh, it's kind of – I like how une- unexpected it ended. Uh, you know, you, you're always hoping for the this is, this is, this is, this is my last exit, and it's kind of timed out the way it's supposed to be timed out, and it's, re- it's unexpected when you hear it. <laughs> That was the one thing that they really needed to tweak with this, and uh, and they had a song. So, and it's cool that it was one of the one of the first ones, you know, for Vitalogy to appear. You know, Better Man had been around. Everybody knows the story; had been around for a long time, and it finally right. started appearing in ninety three, ninety four. But for them to uh, to come up with with Last Exit, and then the next one coming up to be one of the first from Vitalogy written. You know, Whipping had been around. Um, for versus era but yeah for these two i thought it was it's really interesting that these two were were the first real you know new to the to this era of vitality songs yeah and now we get into tremor christ and it's really tremor christ really shakes things up and i feel like if i'm in the crowd and i'm thinking like okay these songs are new album songs tremor christ is so different than anything that they put out on the first two albums that we got in 95 and 96 it's it's not a song that would have fit on 10 or verses you know 
you know, in a weird way, it could have fit on like a binaural or something like that. Sure. Because it just has that just sort of offbeat sort of vibe to it. But this this here, while Last Exit is is sounds like they have it figured out, uh, Tremor Christ is just a little. It, it needs some polishing at this point uh, before you know when you're comparing the album version and this version. Uh, this is a little bit faster. Uh, than what it turned into, and it's very raw, opposed to Last Exit, which just has kind of a natural raw identity to it. Uh, you got to think too; know, it was it was only a couple of weeks old. You know, it had only debuted. Sure, yeah. Maybe, uh, not even maybe just nine or ten days. Yeah, a week before in uh, that Las Vegas show. So, yeah, it would be cool to have the we have the first two versions of Tremor Christ on on our vault releases. Yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe that's a hint as to where they're going next. What like the third Tremor Christ? Exactly, <laughs> and that's going to be another selling point. Like, you guys want to hear another early version of Tremor Christ? Mm-hmm. No, they're all right. They're doing cool. our they're doing our evolution episode for us. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, Mike actually talks during this. I don't, you know, especially early. When does Mike ever take <laughs> take the mic here? He's got a distinctive uh, voice. Yeah, he's like. I think I think I got the monkey off my back. He kind of sometimes sounds like he's just inhaled a little bit of helium. Sometimes he's got a very high voice and it's very spunky. Uh, you know, it, it's very uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's distinctive. So when you hear him, and then you hear Ed kind of toss him back with something like this, and Mike's like, oh, I just got the monkey off. Like it's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably listening to me like yeah, I was, I was, I was lost in your in your McCready impersonation, which wasn't good. (laughs) It was nothing like my Irish accent. Yeah, it's it's almost yeah, it's kind of jarring when you're listening to it. You're like, well, who's that talking? Because Ed has such a such a baritone and uh, you know such a presence, and then you know the other guys kind of get on it. It can be a little goofy at times. Yeah, they're they're not as experienced speaking speaking in front of crowds. Right, yeah, especially the rest of them at this point are just not. Right, they don't do it at all. He he prefers um, to let his guitar do the talking. Exactly, exactly. But uh, Ed actually is kind of bantering with the crowd a little bit, and even in 1993, this happens. Dirty Frank, fuck Dirty Frank. Dirty Frank's in jail. We gave him the death penalty. That, that should have been the end of it. But the, but the fans, the fans wouldn't let it go. Nope, never. And to this day, you will run into a hundred people at the show, Dirty Frank, because that's literally after two hundred shows, the only thing that they're still looking for. So. Do we know if he's still alive? I have no idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll look on like a bus driver website or there something like that. Yeah, history yeah. of bus drivers. Mm-hmm. Um. Blood, State of Love and Trust, uh, I've Got a Feeling, Rearview Mirror, uh, all in this encore here. Blood is great. State of Love, it's all, everything is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Blood's a great way to get out of those new songs, you know, because the, the crowd doesn't know those two songs, you know, Last Text and Tremor Christ. So they're, you know, you get the, you, I'm sure they got some blank stares and like people are nodding their heads, but you, but nobody's singing along, so you kind of lose a little bit of momentum. And blood is a great way to just punch them in the face again and get everybody right back into it. 
Sure. Yeah, I fully agree with that. You know, the the one thing that I will say about the encore is that it is a lot more raw sounding uh, and what I expected 1993 to sound like. I thought the first set was really polished and, and really well put together, um, you know, just from the standpoint of just the performance wise and the encore to me was just it sounded like, OK, well, you know, they, they they've now had a little bit more to drink and they they've sort of settled in a little bit. And, you know, some of it is a little sloppy in places I, and sloppy is maybe not the right word to use because sloppy can still sound good as we heard. And, from India. and you know, and I'm sure the, the wine had kicked in by now, you know, so that's things, things get a little of, loose. Yeah. It's, it's loose. It's, it's certainly loose by this point. You know, like I, I was just, I think I was just stunned by how tight the first set was. And then you get into a little bit of, you know, this vibe and you're sort of like, okay, this is what I expected from 1993. So really it, it's with, I've got a feeling that uh, the reason why they did it, he he says it's a special day. Go home, look it up. It's actually the date of uh, John Lennon's death, which I think is 39-year anniversary this year, 1980. Right, yeah, it was 1980. They did that, so, too, in, in Atlanta. He goes, uh, after WMA, he goes, you know, go back and look in your history books as to why it was important. We talked about that in that episode, too. So he's he's mm-hmm. definitely dialed into the uh, to the history. And this was, and you know, and you think about it, I got a feeling, you know, they – They've only played it five times since then. Yeah, and the one time I saw it, I missed it. So <laughs> I got how about it. Them? I got it at Wrigley in 2016. But yeah, yeah one one time, you know that they played it in Boston, 1994, and then ten years off, played it once in 2004 in Boston again, and then it didn't didn't appear again until 2016. So yeah, definitely a, a rare one at that point. After after it got played a lot in 1991 and 1992. This is this is uh this is an interesting version because Ed is again they're very loose and during the whole uh, I don't know what Paul's singing during this part but uh you know that He's 2018 looking it, looking it, <laughs> looking it. That's what he's doing during. It, yeah, he's, uh, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, and then then he's 2018 mumble coring uh, the everybody everybody had a good time, and after that, I sort of kind of forgot I was listening to the song because they just kept going and they kept going and they kept jamming, and it happened for like five six seven more minutes the song was already over by that point but they kept going and and then i realized it got a little faster i'm like oh shit i was just getting lost in the song but they kept doing it it was you know the orpheum version i think was like 20 minutes long something like close that. close to it yeah yeah so you know they they tend to do that with this one but shit this is uh just just fun just straight up fun fun moment yeah and it's it's kind of a it's something they would probably only do in seattle at this point like and again it kind of got replaced by your rocking the free worlds and your baba o'reilly's those kind of took the place of the song but yeah it's uh it's something they used to really like go off on and it's it's not one of the 
the Beatles songs. You know, they've, they've covered a lot of Beatles songs in their history, but this is not one. It's not. It's not the most famous Beatles song, but it's a cool one that they picked out uh, to kind of jam out on a little bit. I think it fits them. Yeah, I think definitely. it fits their personality. Definitely. You know, I think and and it's the the choices of Beatles songs that they do choose. You know, obviously a lot of them are very Eddie centric. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you gotta hide your love away and uh, um, rain. They've done a um, bunch um, of times. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say imagine because it's not technically a Beatles song, but um, those are that's when it comes to Beatles that that that's kind of that's the extent they they they've teased help a little bit in the last couple of years, right. but. Right. All right, ending the set is Rearview Mirror. It's a good transition between the jam. I really like how it sounds. Um, It sounds like the crowd would be kind of bouncing at a frantic pace. This is one of the ones that I would really love to see some video of. Oh, absolutely. Uh, But it's not the strongest vocal performance of Ed's of the show. It just seems like, again, they're just a little loose with with this version, and it's, it's more of a 1993 show uh, than the main set felt like a really tight show. Yeah, I'd, I feel like I'd like to see I'd like to see a, a scan of the set list to see if I got a feeling was originally supposed to end it and then they maybe added on rearview mirror cuz yeah by coming off that 10 minute jam, you know, I'm sure a lot of people thought that was going to be it cuz I got a feeling you think, close yeah. a lot of shows in in 91 and 92 but for them to come out and and bust out rearview mirror after that is again just the the crowd must have been going nuts. Yeah, and and after that they're they're not done. They go out and mm-hmm. Ed's actually saying, "Do you want to stick around for another one?" And he's like, "We can't figure out what to play. Just yell something." And immediately you hear people screaming for rats. So is is rats like the rare salt? Like, <laughs> did they uh, did they have the stat tracker app back then? They people were people I, were looking trying chasing the stats already. They pulled it out on Deborah's notepad. <laughs> In her journal. Exactly. Uh, I would think that Rats would be the one that's the rarest of the bunch. Probably. Yeah, definitely. How the hell are you keeping track of these things at the time? The band's probably not. Yeah, I mean, this is a Seattle crowd. They they know their stuff. The zines, right? Right. That That's probably oh, yeah. as close as they get. Yeah. Like, you know, people from all over sending in, you know, snail mail of set lists and shit like that. You know, it's, that's, pro- that's probably where it's getting published. Well, yeah, there, that's probably stuff there used that... to be things called telephones where you would actually have to pick up and <laughs> actually dial a number and you would, you could talk to people on the other end and you, you could talk to them about whatever you wanted to talk about, like what songs Pearl Jam played, uh, anything you wanted to. All right, let's finish this off. Rockin' in the free world. It's, uh, anything on it it's it's just like a little slower than yeah, how we hear now it's not but the it's, change in tempo it's, in it it's not the vma version which is you know amazing which would have been a, a few months before but yeah right. it was a you know great way to end the set again something they would kind of a changing of the guard going from i got a feeling to rocking in the free world where you kind of like rocking in the free world would become the the standard going forward yeah that maybe this is this show was the transition into that era of the band um all right so give us your top three favorite moments from this show all right uh, my number three i'm gonna say last exit for it to be that like you like you suck, talked about for it to be that polished this early on i thought it was fantastic like i'm i would have loved to have heard it even if i had no idea what it was i, I would have immediately gone back and been like what was that new song that they played because that was fucking amazing 
Um, right. My number two is uh, the end of deep going into Wygo. Like I talked about the, you know, we that end of deep where it just kind of falls apart and and then Wygo, the beginning where he's, he's still kind of feeling it. And it, it was definitely a cool moment. And uh, my number one, like I talked about footsteps, just one of the one of the coolest versions of footsteps. I think uh, all electric. They rocked it out. Something something you're not going to get not going to get any more at this point. So that's, that's my number one. Yeah. All right. I'll go, uh, number three. I really loved the vocal parts on glorified G, uh, you know, specifically in this one is just, it feels so much more polished and it feels like it, it feels like it's something instead of just stone sitting on a microphone. I'm going to, I'm going to insert the clip together. of him a couple years later going glorified version of, I hate this song. Glorified version of you hate this song. <laughs> um, number two. Uh, do I have to pick out of one? I just said just getting early versions of both Tremor Christ and uh, Last hey, Exit. Hey, I picked. You have to pick. All right, Last Exit. Yeah, yeah. There you last go. Exit was better. Yeah, it was. That's yeah. Uh, number one is I got a feeling because it oh, just yeah. again just got lost in it and uh uh just the jam was able to and 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 even all the mumbling stuff and even ed just kind of losing losing himself during the song is just it's all it's all fun and it it, it this song specifically reminds me of very early pearl jam and uh i i love when whenever we're able to touch up on it i i, I love doing it so good stuff yeah it's it's kind of them saying goodbye to that 91 92 era and you know from this point forward you know after this this is kind of the end of the tour you know it's it's interesting they were supposed to play that that live and loud mtv thing the next week right it got sick and they had to cancel and then yeah, you get that nirvana crazy over, yeah you right? get that crazy nirvana performance it's just unbelievable yeah and then 1994 like everything changes right this is kind of the end Almost of the versus era, you know, pretty much, which didn't really. <laughs> it's weird to say because versus had only come out a few months before, but right. once once they once they tour start touring again in in March of '94, you were starting to get your corduroys and not for yous and and things like that debuting, and the set lists were already starting people to were, move that way. Right, 1994, people were really starting to look ahead, and mm-hmm. and I think people were more sad. They started doing the the radio stuff and the monkey wrench stuff, mm-hmm. so people were waiting for things like Atlanta 94 to happen and recording them and getting stuff like Satan's bed yeah, the, and, and the, and the Saturday night live in 94. That was a huge sure. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's other things that are happening and versus quickly gets put on the back burner. So with that being said, uh, what are you going to rate this? It's, I can't give it less than a nine. So much, a nine? so much good stuff. Yeah. So much okay. good stuff on here. I mean, you you don't get. I mean, you don't get anything rare. The, the you know the crowd didn't get a dirty Frank or a Rats, um, but to get last but X even in at Trimmer the time, Christ it's get, like what, it's, yeah. But, you know, uh, rare doesn't mean anything, right? But you know, so many cool versions of songs. Ed's on fire the whole show. I I'm tempted to give it higher, but I'll, I'll stick with a nine. Okay, um, I. I think that my ultimate decision was based off of how the encore sounded. And um, if the whole show sounded like the encore sounded, I would have given it an eight straight up. 
But my rating for the first set going into the encore, I was hovering nine. And then once I heard the encore, I'm like, you know, I, it just, I really wanted them to pick up where they left off. And, uh, it just, it it went back to having that loose sounding vibe, which is not bad, but I really enjoyed the, having a 19, a very tight version of a 1993 show and I wish I could could give it a nine because I I feel like the main set is a nine. Um, I, sure, I can split the different difference with that. I can give this an eight point five. I I have no problem doing that. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I was gonna give it an eight, but uh, I feel like if 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 I'm gonna give the main set a nine and I'm gonna give the encore an eight, then why am I gonna lose a point just for something stupid? Yeah, like I think that, so. you know, for me, once I once I get the record in my hands, I'm definitely gonna be gonna be oh, it's gonna be definitely do... gonna go into the rotation. Like it's this is one I'm gonna be I'm gonna be putting on. We should often. follow up. We should do a follow up episode, yeah. maybe a Patreon exclusive or something sure. after this. Cause, sure. Uh, there'll be a lot of changes, a lot of things that we'll hear more distinct and specific. And, you know, the drums will sound a little bit uh, uh, better and Mike will sound better. And, and, you know, and then we can talk about what they left off and, and all that. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Patreon.com right. slash live on four legs. Yep. We will have another evolution episode up very soon. Uh can't tell you when because we're recording this way before this episode is actually airing so uh uh wash will be the episode oh love wash that's gonna be fun yeah we're uh we haven't really dug into like a rare song like a b-side deep cut so uh that'll be interesting how we handle that yeah it'll be fun uh, Lots of good things to talk about there. So, uh, also, uh, head on to our social media pages if you would like to vote. We are in sort of the last stages of our uh, show of the decade polls. I think around this time it should be like 2016, 2018. And then after that, we are well on our way to, you know, going into the top 25 and figuring out, uh, uh, the top 10 shows of, of the year. And that's something that, uh, on January 1st. So in almost a month from now, uh, we'll be able to bring to you right on the first of, of the month. And, um, uh, we'll kick, we'll kick the new decade off right by talking about the last one. So, uh, head on over there, vote for your favorite shows. And that tells us as a voice of the fan, uh, what, how you guys are, see this decade and what you guys remember the most from it. So, uh, we've gotten some really good results so far and we're hoping that we finish off strong with that. So, um, anything else? Um, happy holidays, everyone. It's, it's, it's coming up quick. This year's flown by. Uh, we did not get a Pearl Jam show. Again, I've said before, this is the, the first year since the band started that there's not been a, an appearance of the band. Even in like 2017, they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that counts. Right. But, you know, we'll see, uh, what the future holds and look forward to a big, uh, big 2020, both for the podcast and the band. Absolutely. And uh, next week we are kind of, it's sort of our season finale in a way, Uh, but because it'll be the last actual show that we cover of the year. Uh, So 
in a, in a way it'll be our season finale and then we'll do something fun uh, for the last actual episode of 2019. Um, but we're finishing off our MSG series. It's, it's come to a close with night two, 2016. We have some surprises in store, hopefully. So, uh, I think you guys will enjoy that. And, um, again, the MSG shows have just been a pleasure to do. And, uh, uh, sad it's coming to a close, but that also will end our East Coast bias, our New York <laughs> bias. We swear it's over, it's done. We're moving on to other stuff. Yeah, now. I mean, in, in 2020, Far I think we can, we can probably say by now we're going to be doing an around the world series, so we're going to have an international bias. All around the world, we can make time in California, California. Right? Uh, send your emails to live on four legs podcast at gmail.com uh, with your comments on uh, what that was. Because I got don't. nothing. Just, no, just <laughs> don't. Um, what you can send us is uh, if you are, you know, from a New Zealand or a Portugal or Finland. Uh, Denmark, Austin, you know, and, and again too, like Australia, they've they played there a bunch of times. Send us what you think are the best ones. Sure, uh, yeah. Look, you know, we are very open. Like to our, our friend Aurelian in France, send us send us the best France show. People in the UK, send us send us what you think are the best UK shows to cover. You know, we want to hear we want to hear from those Canada. You know, they played Canada a bunch of times, but we want to we want to pick out the the ones that you want to hear us talk about. Philippines, Manila, one of those Taipei. Yeah, definitely we got. A lot of those shows that that we can really touch up on. I think we're going to hit a lot of interesting eras in the band, and uh, something fun that we'll get to talk about is the um, the nineteen ninety five uh, uh, video that uh, that you showed me. Oh yeah, the the, one that was super secret thing. The movie, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> so. Uh, we get to we can talk about that when when we do one of, we're going to do one of those South Pacific shows from 1995. So uh, maybe we'll do a uh, maybe that that's a Patreon episode too. Maybe we'll do a little commentary on that uh, that movie. That would be cool. Yeah. Hey, again, you uh, head on over to Patreon. We'll do more. So, yeah. all right, that's uh that's it for this episode. Uh, this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. For Randy and John, and the vault number nine that we handled today, uh, we are done with this one. We'll see you for the next one. Spin the black circle. Yeah.